0: So we're going to continue with the word right now. Let's pray. Father, thank you for bringing us together to hear your word, that it may encourage us and deliver us and set us in a place that you have called us to be, a disciple taught of the Lord. So we ask you for this. In Jesus' name, and all agreed said, amen. Amen. So we're going to conclude our final message on this topic of discipleship. And we're going to find out, I think you're going to be excited about this message about how God wants us to be disciples. He wants us to make disciples, the importance of being a disciple. And we're going to talk about the position of being a disciple and the characteristics of it. And I think you're going to be excited. Let's look at the foundation scripture that we've been talking about. It's in Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. It says, And Jesus came and spoke to them and saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Isn't that good news? He said, now go ye therefore. So he says, all authority and power has been given to me. Now I want to give it to you so that you can go. And people ask me, where do you get the messages? Where do you, how does God prompt you or talk to you? Well, last week when I was reading the scripture and that word came up, All authority. And a lot of times, we don't know the authority that we have in Christ, the power that he has given to us. And if we do know it, sometimes we don't use it. We forget it. We, we, we see the circumstances that are coming against us, and we say, oh, what are we going to do? Oh, God, help us. God, come through. But actually, God's saying, I want you to do something. I want you to speak to the mountain. I want you to uh, cause things to happen for your good. So it says, go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. That means the end of your life, he's with you. He wants you to go and make disciples. Now, getting back to this term, all authority, if you look up at the definition of it, it means power and authority. So you have authority to do something, and you have the power to make it come to pass. And the illustration that we use here is a policeman... Let's look at this next slide. A policeman has authority, doesn't he? He can tell the cars, okay, stop. I said stop. No. Go, come, right? Turn. And uh, the worst they can do is give you a dirty look if you don't do what they say, right? Because he doesn't have the power to stop the car, does he? If you want to go right through him, you just go right through him. So he has authority by the badge that he has, backed by the, the city or the state that he works for. But he doesn't have the power. Now, when a devil comes to tempt you or talk to you or get in your finances or get in your health or whatever, we have not only the authority, but we have the power to cast him out and cause good things to happen to us and for us. Isn't that good news? So a lot of times we don't realize we have this because the situations come upon us and we go like, what are we going to do? Oh, no, I'm lost. I I have no hope. Well... It kind of reminds me of this Italian guy, and he's not related to me or anything. His name is Luigi, huh? And Luigi, oh, Luigi wanted to come to America. He was in Italy. He heard all the great things about America. He wanted to come. This is back in the 1800s, and so they had to go by ship. And so he didn't have the money, but he collected all that he could. He had just enough to buy a ticket to come to America. So they figured, if I could get to America, everything's going to be great. Everything's going to be Wonderful. And so he bought his ticket, and he says, well, I don't have any money for food. I'll just bring some cheese and crackers to eat along, and when I get to America, I'll have all the Italian food that I want to eat. Amen? <laughs> Go to Olive Garden. So he, <laughs> he gets on the ship. He gives the ticket. He He's there, and then when he sees everybody go to eat in the lounges, the banquet halls, he just looks in the window and says, oh, if I only had enough money to get in. Look how w- wonderfully they're eating and enjoying themselves, laughing, and uh, all the lights and everything, and it just looks great, but I just have these crackers. So he went on the deck and just ate his crackers, cheese and crackers, and if I only get to America, I'll be okay. So this went on for a week or so, and then finally, they arrive in America, and he's walking out. And one of the guys says, Wasn't that a wonderful trip? Wasn't that a wonderful voyage? It was so wonderful. And the food was marvelous. And Luigi said, I didn't get to eat any of it. I was, Really? Because, yeah, I didn't have any money. I bought the ticket, but I didn't have any money for the food. And the guy said, The, the food was included in the ticket price. You, you could have been eating sumptuously all the way through, but yet you're eating cheese and crackers. And, and that's what. Some of us, we get to heaven. Oh, if I could just get to heaven. Oh, everything's going to be fine when I get to heaven. And you get to heaven and you said, Jesus said, well, did you enjoy everything that uh, I had for you on earth? I, I couldn't. I didn't, I didn't have uh, the prayer life or the money to do what I needed to do. He said, it's included in the ticket of salvation. When you, buy, when you get saved, he provides you with health, prosperity, sound mind, well-being. Just call upon the Lord. He gives you power and authority to take control over this earth. Now, let's look at this right here in uh, the next uh, scripture. Genesis 1, 26 through 28. I want to show you how he gave us a power and authority. In the beginning, and you know that God was a baseball fan, right? Because he said, in the big inning. Okay. That's just a little levity to break it up a little bit, Okay. (laughs) Then God said, what? Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. Let them have dominion. Be in control, be in charge, take care of things. Then God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, take charge, rule, occupy till I come. He's delegated his authority to us, not because he's too busy, can't handle it, but he wants to have partnership with us. He loves us us so much, he says, I don't want to do anything on this earth without including you. I want to partner with you, so my power is released in what you say and what you do, and I'll back you up. I give you authority, and I'm going to give you the power to do it. Isn't that good news? So when you have troubled situations in in your finances or in your marriage or wherever, you have power and authority to take control over it and allow God to work in your behalf. Amen? Amen. So now, now, Jesus was in the garden. I don't know. Let's see this next picture. In the garden, Adam and Eve had control of everything. Everything was nice and easy and breezy, right? I, I don't know if Jesus was actually in the flesh there, but it's just a nice picture to see how nice heaven is, isn't it? I mean, have, I mean, are you looking forward to heaven? Isn't it going to be nice? Yeah. I mean, you talk about a, a retirement plan. <laughs> 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 All your food and lodging is taken care of, joy, unspeakable joy, and full of glory, never, uh, never a sad day for all of eternity, that's, that's, I'm looking forward to it, you know, I'm, I'm checking it out, I'm looking at the brochures, and the revelation says that we are going to be walking on streets of gold, amen, enjoying the presence of the Lord, I'm excited about that, but God delegated his authority to mankind, and And uh, David wrote about this in Psalms 8, verses 3 through 4, if we can look at that. He said, when I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained, what is man that you are mindful of him, and the son of man that you visit him? So David is out there tending the sheep at night. And you know, it's pretty lonely out there with no TV, no radio, no nothing, just no internet, no Facebook, none of that stuff. You're just out there, just you and whatever instrument you have, and listening to the sheep. Like, <laughs> Why did my dad put me out here, night after night? So he's looking up into heaven, and he's looking at the, star, the moon and the stars. You notice he doesn't say sun. He said the moon and the stars. Now, how many stars are there, you may ask? How many stars are there? I have a figure for you. Uh, I looked it up. There's 10 million galaxies in the universe. And in each galaxy, like the Milky Way, there's a hundred billion stars. So if someone could just add up for me on your calculator, 10 million times 100 billion and tell me what you got. No, no. It won't fit on the calculator. Okay. It's innumerable, right? That's what when God was going to show Abraham how many his descendants he would be, go ahead and look up in the stars. Let's look up there. Look into the stars. Let's see. And, and you start counting them, and that's how many your descendants are going to be. And Abraham said, "One, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, 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 eight. I can't count them all. That's how much. And, and actually, uh, God said, my thoughts towards you are more numerable than the sands on the sea. So there's quite a bit of, uh, of stars. Now, how many moons are there? We have one moon that we look at, but you know how many moons there are, actually? Known moons. Anybody want to guess? Seven. Seven is a good guess. 181 moons. Known moons in the universe. I can't see them when I look up there, can I? Can you? No. And, you know, it's funny how people influence you. You know, we're having Bible study one Wednesday night, and Gina comes in, and the first thing she says is, I have a question for you, Pastor. I go, okay, what is it? She goes, what is the theme on the Honeymooners uh, TV show that they have? What was that? I'm trying to remember the theme. I'm going, Gina, this is not a, this is not a religious question, okay? I, I thought you were going to ask me a Bible question. So I'm, I'm preparing my message, and I see this moon, and you know what I thought of, Gina? Let's see the next picture. Let's see the next picture. Jackie Gleason in the moon. One of these days, Alice. One of these days to the moon. So it's amazing how people can affect other people. And you can affect people by the way you are. Amen? Praise the Lord. So let's look at Psalms 8, 5 through 6, the next scripture, because David is continuing with this. He says, what is, what is man that you are mindful of him, that you have made him a little lower than the angels? And that word translated angels is Elohim, which is translated God. You made him a little lower than God. That means we're above the angels. Why? Because we have a free will. We can cause things to happen. The angels have to do just what God tells them. We have our free will to have dominion over the things of this earth. And you have crowned him with glory and honor and have made him to have dominion. There it is again. Dominion. We're supposed to have dominion. Our sphere of influence, we're supposed to have dominion over it. Not let it get us. We have to get it. Over the works of your hands. God, again, has delegated that to us. So that's why uh, when Jesus was on the earth and they needed to feed the 5,000, what did he tell his disciples? You feed them. You you, don't have enough money to feed them. He wanted them to speak it into existence. Why? In the Old Testament, do you know Elijah fed 100 people with just some small baskets of, of fruit and grain? It had done, been done before. Jesus wanted them to do it as well. When he was on the sea and there was a storm, what did he, and they woke him up and they said, don't you care? He said, where, where is your faith? Why is it that you have no faith? And he spoke to the sea, he spoke to the wind, and he commanded them to cease. Do you have storms in your life that you need to speak to? Situations that are turbulent and you say, you know, I need to speak to this. I need to cause my, my studies and my mind to come in line. I need my work to come into line. I need to bring things into subjection. I need to take control over things. You don't pray to God about the problem. You pray to the problem or you speak to the problem, and God will back you with his power and authority. Amen? Yes. So where is your faith? Now, let's look at this next scripture, Psalms 115. I'm taking you through this, and then I'm going to give you some, some practical applications. But in Psalms 115, verse 16, it says, The heaven, even the heavens, are the Lord's, but the earth he has given to the children of men. Did you know that, <laughs> Andrew? Almighty God said, Andrew, I want you to take control over you. You have, uh You have control over the earth. So when we things go wrong on the earth, and there's all these... Uh, catastrophes that are happening. I mean, these shootings and all that. They, they say, well, why didn't God do something? He wanted us to do something. We're supposed to be in charge. We're supposed to take authority over those situations by praying and enacting laws and enacting things that, can, uh, that won't cause us to happen. So, so what, what, why is the earth so messed up, you may ask? It's the devil. The devil is alive and well because you know what? He didn't get the message that Jesus came to redeem it and give it back to mankind, and he's illegal, and he's trying to cause havoc, and if we don't enforce it upon him, then, you know, he's going to, you know, run, run amok. And so we have to, we as Christians have to take authority in these situations, praise God. Let's look at this in Luke, 5, Luke 4, verses 5 through 7, then the devil taking him upon a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, what? All this authority I will give you and their glory for this has been delivered to me. And I give it to whomever, whomever I wish. Therefore, it will be, if you will worship me, all will be yours. So what is he saying? He, he, Jesus didn't contest the fact that the devil had authority now because Adam gave it to him because of his disobedience. Jesus came to redeem it back because of his obedience. Let's see the picture of Jesus obeying. It's being tempted. I don't know if you can see the devil up there trying to tempt Do you ever feel that way when you're being tempted? Oh, God, help me. What am I going to do? Jesus said, you can take authority over that devil. You can tell him to get. Get out of my life. Praise the Lord. <laughs> when sickness tries to come upon you, get, get out of here in Jesus' name. So Jesus lived a perfect life. He went to hell. I don't know if you knew that. went to hell, took the keys of, of um, death and hell from Satan, made an open show of him, triumphing, triumphing over him in it. Let's look at the scripture in 2 Corinthians 5 through 18. Uh, yeah. Now, all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself. Okay. I jumped up a little bit ahead of myself, but let me say it this way. It says that we're going to find out that we have a ministry of reconciliation because God has called us many things. Do you know that? He's called us friends. He's called us saints. He's called us sons and daughters. He's called us branches. He's called us the light. He's called us the salt. He's called us soldiers. He's called us farmers. And we're going to learn another word that he called us today. It's called ambassadors. Ambassadors. Isn't that nice to know you're an ambassador for Christ? Now, I don't know what you think of when you think of an ambassador like a distinguished young man or woman, you know, all slick and ready to go and maybe an entourage with him and maybe a black car with flags on top, you know. Whatever your thought is of an ambassador, you are one, okay? And let's see what this says here. Now, all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through, the, through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. You know what reconciliation means? You bring or restore someone back to fellowship with them. Have you ever had uh, loved ones that don't talk to each other anymore? I'm not going over to something house. No, I'm mad at them. You know, I have relatives in New York that got mad at each other like 10 or 15 years ago. They forgot why they're mad at them, but just, they just know I'm mad at them. <laughs> Can you believe that? Do you, have friends, do you have people like that, that you're mad at, you haven't reconciled, but Jesus said, I want you to come and have the ministry of reconciliation. No, I'm, I, I'm a children's church minister, or I'm a pastor, or I'm an elder, or I do praise and worship. No, you, the first and foremost thing that you do, you're a reconciler. You bring reconciliation to the world, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. So, well, I don't know what to say. He's given you the word. You tell them what God has done for them, how he's brought you back, your personal testimony about how you were lost, you were gone, you were you, were, you were, you know, far away. But God in his love and his mercy has called you back. Praise God. So you can have a ministry of reconciliation. The last scripture in this part here, watch this. 2 Corinthians 5, 20. Now then we are, what? Ambassadors. For Christ, as though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Okay, now we're going to go through some parts about what it means to be an ambassador. How many of you want to know it? Since you are one, you may as well find out what are you supposed to be doing? How are you are supposed to be acting? So first thing is an ambassador is chosen. You're not elected by a mayor or, I mean, you're not elected by the, the, the people. You're not appointed by a mayor or a... Uh, a senator or a governor, you are, you are appointed by who? By the president or the king of the country. Right. God himself has appointed you, chosen you to be an ambassador. Now, if the president of the United States, no matter who he is, calls you up and said, Sally, we want to make you an ambassador. Man, you'd be excited, Right. Okay, yeah, Richard, looky here. I'm going to be an ambassador. I don't know about you, but they chose me, and I'm going to be the ambassador, okay? I have a little respect around here, please, okay? (laughs) Don't you stick your chest out and you hold your head up high? They called me. They chose me to be an ambassador. Well, God Almighty has chosen you to be an ambassador, you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood called to bring forth the praises of him who has brought you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Isn't that good news? So, what does a, a minister, a ambassador do? He goes to another country representing your country to someone else. Isn't that right? Isn't that what an ambassador does? He, he goes to, say, Kenya. Now, when he goes to Kenya, does he become a, a citizen of Kenya? He's still a citizen of the United States, going to Kenya, talking to them about what is about what the United States is all about, right? He doesn't speak his own mind. He doesn't just make up things and say, well, you know, the government wants to do this, but I don't really agree with that. (laughs) I'm more into this. He could fire it in a minute, wouldn't he? So we're supposed to tell the people what. The president or the government of the United States is saying now. One thing that I like about being an ambassador is that uh, you're not governed by the rules of their country. You know, you can go there and uh, you can be uh, do whatever you want, basically, and they can't hold you accountable because you're not, you know, diplomatic immunity. There, it's right here. Yeah, diplomatic immunity. Do you know there's there's people from Egypt, foreign. Uh, diplomats from all countries that come over here, and they park where they want. We give them tickets, and guess what? They get diplomatic immunity. They cry out, ah, I'm doing government work. I'm not paying this ticket. Now, how much do you think that is? It's in the millions of dollars. Governor Giuliani had to forgive them millions of dollars that were owed to the New York City uh, you know, government because they said, "We we don't want to pay this. They were excluded from... I'm getting, oh, Mayor Giuliani, that's right, he wants to be governor, he wanted to be president, right, but he's stuck at being a mayor, probably because he's letting these diplomats get off the hook with all this money, (laughs) so we we claim, why do they claim diplomatic immunity, because their laws don't apply to you, so when you're in this world, the laws of the world don't apply to you, what are the laws of the world? Uh, the laws are governed by pride and greed and lust and jealousy and selfishness. And we, that doesn't apply to us. Our, what applies to us is what the kingdom of God. We're citizens of who? Of where? Heaven. So if we're citizens of heaven, how the earth is doesn't apply to us. We look to heaven and say, wait a minute. In the heavenly realm... I am free from sickness, I am free from poverty, I'm free from confusion, I'm free from... I'm claiming diplomatic immunity! Hallelujah! <laughs> How many of you want to claim diplomatic immunity right now? <laughs> I'm not taking... It. Now when you go to a foreign country and it's a mess, and it, you know, the, economically it's all ruined, you know, the streets are messed up, they don't have money to repair anything, the buildings are crum- crumbling, but you go to the U.S. Embassy, and guess what? It's beautiful. It looks wonderful. Why? Because it's not backed by that government. It's backed by our government. government. So the monies that come in come from the United States, not from that country. Amen? So the, your prosperity or your economic welfare is not tied into the, even the United States. It's tied into heaven. So if heaven's not broke, guess what? You're not broke. Now, if you see... <laughs> If you see uh, God laying off angels, (laughs) if you see God hawking the gold on the streets of gold, if you see him doing reverse mortgage on your mansion, then you're in trouble. (laughs) Then you better say, God, what are we doing here? But you don't have to worry because God's got everything under control. Amen? (laughs) So we do these things. We don't represent ourselves we represent the country that we come from we don't we're not funded by that country we're funded by the kingdom of heaven and we speak those things which are of god praise god amen now now here's the other thing last thing on that part the government when you're an ambassador you're an ambassador 24 7 isn't that right you don't be an ambassador from nine to five And then at 5 o'clock, okay, let's party, okay. Take off this robe and this sash and everything and just go to the party and act crazy because it's going to come back to the president, isn't it? So do you know what your ambassador was doing? (laughs) Look at these pictures. (laughs) He's in a drunken state. (laughs) So we as Christians, if we're ambassadors, we're ambassadors how often? All day long, 24-7. You don't stop and quit being an ambassador. You're an ambassador for the Lord all the day long. Praise God. Not just, it's not just a nine-to-five job. Praise the Lord. Okay, now, last part of this. That's our position. We're ambassadors. Now, what are our characteristics? Let's look at this next scripture. Now well, there he is. There's, there's an ambassador. Isn't, that good? Isn't he good-looking? I mean, he looks, he looks important, doesn't he, Annabella? Looks, now, he, people that are with, they look normal, but you, in the spiritual realm, that's what you look like. You're an ambassador for the Lord. Praise God. You, you, you have regal uh, ties to the king or to the president of the United States. Isn't that, isn't that good news? No matter where you go, that's what you look like to the Lord. So here's what we're supposed to do. Let's look at this last, next to last scripture. Okay, now here's, we're going to find about how Jesus was an ambassador. He was the best ambassador, wasn't he? He said... In Luke, it says, after these things, he went out and saw a tax collector named Levi, or Matthew, sitting at the tax office. What does it mean, after these things? Jesus had just uh, healed a paralytic that they lowered down through a roof. And he was paralyzed, and he said, son, your sins are forgiven. And the Pharisees and Sadducees got all upset and said, who are you to forgive sins? He says, what's easier to say, you're forgiven of sins or to be healed? Because it's one and the same. If your sins are forgiven, you are healed. And so they got all upset at him, and he healed the the paralytic, and he left. And so it says, after these things, he went out. No, he didn't just say, well, that was a good day's work. He didn't go to the disciples and say, you know, check it out, man. Did you see the look on those Pharisees and Sadducees' faces when I said, your sins are forgiven? Whoa, they got upset. Wasn't it cool the way they brought that paralytic down on a mat through the roof? Man, that was something. That was some kind of faith, wasn't it, guys? Hey, let's, have, let's just chill for the rest of the... No. He's, after these things, he still continued to go out. I was talking to Al, and he said sometimes on the job, he has these guys that come in and they just do, want to do part of the work. They just want to plaster. They plaster. and go, oh, it looks nice, really good. And Al says, we're not done yet. We've got to sand it down. Oh, okay. And they sand it down. He says, okay, that looks really good. He goes, no, we've got to prime it. Oh, man, we've got to prime it. Okay, prime it up. Okay, that looks good. And wipe it down. Okay, can we go home now? No. Al says, we've got to paint it. Oh, okay, you have got to paint See, so you're never done being an ambassador. You're never done doing the work of the Lord. No, no matter what you've accomplished, after these things, he went out. What does it mean he went out? He was looking. He he didn't just stay in the temple. He went out to find Matthew or Levi sitting at the tax office. He went to his job. He said, I'm going to go to your job and I'm going to find out what you do. I'm going to understand how you do these things and I'm going to call you because some people won't come into church. You got to go to their job. You got to go to where they are in the streets. Amen? As an ambassador, you're representing and you're going forth to reach these people. He said, And he said to him, follow me. Now, there had to be something in Jesus that Matthew enjoyed or cherished, right? For him to follow him. There has to be something in you that makes a difference in the person's life that they want to follow you. You can't say, do you want to come to my church? It's really a good church. I'm really happy there. No, you got to put some oomph into it, you know? Man, you ought to come to our church. we got a great praise and worship team. People will love you. we got food afterwards. You know, you're going to hear the word of God. It's going to make a difference in your life. You'll be changed. Your life will be different. You'll be encouraged. Amen? Amen. So he followed him. Now, check this out. Then Levi, or Matthew, gave him a great feast in his own house. Wait a minute. Jesus went to his job. Then he went to his house. We, We... I can't go to that house. That house has got a bunch of crazy people, and they drink, and they do all kinds of funny stuff. And I, I, you know, I lose my religiosity there. I, I, you know, my holiness will just kind of leak out if I go there. You know, We have family members that come over for Christmas, <laughs> and, and they like to drink. I don't know why they like to drink. It's holiday time. They like to drink. And so they're a little skeptical about drinking in my house. They'll go out in the, in the street and drink in the car. <laughs> then come in all happy. <laughs> and when we go to their house, we can't you know, tell them, no, don't drink this. This is their house. We have to love them in their way and in our way so that they see the difference. But you know what? When they get in trouble, who do they call? Us to come in and help. So we make a difference. So Jesus not only went to his work, he went to his house. Praise God. Now these are not your, your best you know, people the tax collectors, they would take from the Jewish people and give to the Roman Empire. And then they'd also uh, put in a little bit for themselves. You know, if the, if the people owed like $50, they'd charge them $75 and keep the $25 for themselves. Now, can you believe anybody that would do that in government? <laughs> no, not in our government. You know, It goes from uh, hundreds of dollars to thousands of dollars to millions of dollars. How much money can a person take, amen? So they went to their house, and, uh, and so they had, a, they had a party. Because none of these people are going to come to the t- church, are they? Matthew's friends that are wicked, and they're conniving, and they're uh, you know, extortioners, they're not going to come to the house. So let me see, I don't know what the next, scripture, uh, next slide is. Let me see what the next slide says. Is it stuck? Oh, there's Matthew. Yeah, he doesn't look like a happy guy, does he? Why? Because he's, he's full of sin, you know? He's been taken from his own people. But, but now when Jesus comes to the house, let's see what that looks like. Okay, now we're having a good time, right? Because Jesus is making a difference in someone's life. You can make a difference in someone's life and in the friends that you have. So as we conclude, I've got four things that are characteristic of being, um, being an uh, ambassador. You ready? They all begin with I. First, you can't be intimidated by the person that you're ministering to. You can't be intimidated by their looks, by their way, by their position, by their title, how mean they are, how hard-hearted they may seem. You can't be intimidated by that, by their stature, their intelligence, their beauty, you, you you can't be intimidated. You have to. You know, Jesus didn't say, "Well, Matthew, you know, man, you're steeped in sin. There's no way I can talk to you. No way I can minister to you." He did. He wasn't intimidated. You know, I had a boss at work, and uh, he was a, a semi-atheist. What's that mean? He's an atheist, but you know, he's open for it's open for discussion. So anyway, I was talking to him about the Lord. And he just got so mad at me. He said, do you know what God has, and his people have done over the years, the centuries? And he talked about the Inquisition. and the uh, <clears throat> I forgot what they, they did. Uh, when they const- uh, I forgot the name of the guy. But anyway, they went out and they were killing people. If you didn't accept Jesus, they would kill him. And he got so mad at me. He got so mad he was talking to me. He was actually spitting while he was talking. I felt like he was an umpire or something. <laughs> and I didn't, Paul, I could have, you know, if he were there, I would have, come, Paul, come take care of this man, okay? But he, I, I just held my ground because I knew I had to make a difference. I had to be an ambassador. I couldn't start rolling around with him and fighting with him. That would look bad, right? So, so I listened to him. I wasn't intimidated because he was my boss, but I told him the truth. And so, after a couple of days or weeks, I think he got hurt and his back hurt him. I go, he had to go to the doctor. I go, do you mind if I pray with you? He goes, no, that'd be okay. Wait a minute, I thought you were an atheist. I'm praying to God. What are you talking about? (laughs) But he let me pray with him. Not once, but twice for two different things. He didn't get healed, but at least he was open. So you can't be intimidated. We had some people that came and helped uh, Charles move from his apartment. He was in um, Marina del Rey, And now he's got a new job at Irvine, praise the Lord. And so we were moving, and uh, they had the movers there. (laughs) And so I wasn't intimidated about these guys. You know, they're rough and tough and don't take no stuff. Uh, After we got done moving, I said, you know what? uh," And he was filling out the paperwork. I said, "Do uh, do you know where you would go if you died today? He goes, no, I hope I go to heaven. And I said, how would you like to know for sure? And I said... He says, well, I just try to do the best I can to be as good as I can so that when I get to heaven, you know, they'll give me a, you know, I'll get entrance. That's not good, is it? Who wants to play Russian roulette with eternity? You know, I told him, you can't be good enough. No one can be good enough to be enter into the kingdom of heaven. God has to be, Jesus was the only one perfect enough. And so when we ass- uh, assign or relate to him, accept him into our heart, then we get in. So we talked a little bit. And I said, "So after you finished up, so you mind if I pray with you?" He goes, "No, let's pray." So we all got in a circle, <laughs> all both of them, Charles and I. We prayed. We did the sinner's prayer and everything. And I said, "Do you feel that?" And one guy said, "Yeah, that was good. I like I like the power. I like the power." <laughs> <And> the, other <laughs> the other guy said, "I said, did you feel it?" He goes, "You know what? I felt you. I don't know <laughs> if it was the Lord or what. I felt you. But anyway, so you can't be intimidated." Real quickly as we're getting ready to close. You have to initiate something. You have to be initiative of things. God, Jesus didn't wait for Matthew to invite him to his house or invite him to come to his work. He went there. He he initiated. When you want a job, do you just uh, wait for them to call you? How long you be waiting? A long time, right? When you want to meet someone, if you're a guy and you want to meet a girl, you initiate it. You make yourself available. You branch out. Now, nowadays, the women are the ones that branch out. They're the ones that oh, so you're new in town, huh? <laughs> Where you come from? <laughs> How long are you going to be here? <laughs> are you married? <laughs> Do you have a job? You know, they initiate things, okay? We have to initiate it. Praise the Lord. So, so how do you, you spot the room, you look, you spy out the land, you see when you're at your job, you wonder, oh, I wonder if that person needs the Lord. I wonder if that person, you know, needs somebody to encourage them. I, I like that person. I like to get into a conversation with them. Praise the Lord. So you, you size up the situation. Then the third thing, third eye is you come, become involved with the life of the other person. You make time. You have conversation. You make yourself available. You, um... You're you're touchable. You're reachable. Amen? Ambassadors have relationships with them. They get involved in a person's marriage, in their trials, their tribulations. Uh, They're there for you, whatever you need. And so what? You have to go over their quirky issues. Didn't you have quirky issues when you were getting ready to be saved? Amen? So you have to uh, know that you're on a mission to rescue somebody, and you have to commit to get their heart and we know that Christ is the only way that people can change but we're a conduit we're an ambassador we're ones to bring them reconciliation so and they look and see the bible says what let your light so shine that may that they may see your good works they may see how your marriage is they may see how your children are they may see how you handle situations and adversities how do you handle them you're an ambassador they want to see your character and your integrity are you upright do you say good things about people or you talk behind their back? Praise God. Christ has the power, but he wants us to play the part. And the last thing is he wants us to, as an ambassador, intercede for people. Did you know that you're supposed to pray for people? Now, I heard this story. I can't hardly believe it. But this, I heard this testimony of this pastor who was going to meet with a multimillionaire. Multi-millionaire, you know that means many millions. He had a hundred million dollars, and he had 10,000 employees. That's a lot of employees. So he said, "Well, what't you want to meet? So I'll meet you on Saturday about 12:30. He says, "Monday through Friday, I don't have to work, but I go in and I just do things and I kind of keep my hand in the business. But on Saturdays, I take time and I have a book of all my 10,000 employees. And every Saturday, I pray for each and every one individually. It takes me two and a half hours to do it. But he said, because of that, over a 1,000 of my employees are saved and born again. I said, oh, my gosh. That's unbelievable. I know Mary Ann's grandmother, when she passed away, we looked in her Bible, and she had all of our names listed in the Bible, and she prayed for us every day. So as, as ambassadors, and are you an ambassador? The four things we have to do is not be intimidated by somebody's, the way they are, their way of life. Initiate some response. Get involved in their life, their hurts, their pains. Make a difference in their life. And then intercede for them. Pray for them. And if you do, you'll be, disciple, you'll be a disciple taught of the Lord, and you'll be ambassador for him through Christ. Amen? Amen. So let's pray. So Father, in the name of Jesus, we just thank you for the word that you have spoken to us, that we can be ambassadors, we can be interceders, we can be initiators, we can be involved in people's lives, and we're not intimidated. We are soldiers in the army of the Lord. So Father, I just thank you that this word will reach people's hearts, that they can make a difference, change their life, to reach out to others. In Jesus' name we pray. If that's you and you want to sign up, you say, you know, I haven't been such a good ambassador lately. Seems like I've been concerned about my own life more than, than others. Not doing the Lord's will, but my own will. If that's you, why don't you just stand to your feet. We want to just commission you to be an ambassador to the Lord and just be able to go full bore and do those things that he's called us to do. So if that's you, I want to say a prayer over you and just stand to your feet and you can pray. we'll pray right where you're at. But just make, acknowledge to heaven that you want to be used of him, that you want to have situations open up where you can make a difference in someone else's life. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, sweet Jesus. Thank you, Lord God. Hallelujah. I see people standing all over. Amen. I know we all can do better than what we have been doing. That's what this word is to do, to encourage us to reach out and be, uh, see people that need us, see people that need the Lord, and to make that difference in their lives. Hallelujah. I sense the spirit of the Lord here and all of heaven is watching and noticing and seeing that you're committing yourself to be a better more equipped ambassador for the Lord. So just repeat after me. Say, "Father God, I heard your word that you want us to be ambassadors reconciling those that are apart from you to b- bring them closer to you through your son Jesus Christ. I ask you, Lord, to use me to be that ambassador." for them, so that they can be with you forever and ever. Empower me, Lord, with your spirit and your desire to reach the lost and bring them closer to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Do you receive that? Amen. Well, I'm believing for testimonies of how God is going to be using you in great things, so... Uh, Norma has prepared some refreshments for us. Isn't that exciting? Amen. That means we get to eat and fellowship and be together because, you know, when you reach out to others, you can tell them, come and and hear a good word, hear good praise, see good people, and have great fellowship with food. You know, we used to not have food, and people would, after service was over, like they'd be gone. we go like, what happened to them? Was the the message that bad? They had to leave. No, they just didn't, they were hungry. <laughs> so we have time for you to eat and fellowship. So let's, uh, let's stand on our feet as I bless you as you go. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you. The Lord, may he be gracious to you. May he turn his face towards you to give you peace and give you rest all the days of your life. In Jesus' name we pray. And all agreed said, amen. Amen.